We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Black. On the show we talk financial education, a lot of daily news, a lot of market news, a lot of hot stocks and sectors for sure. But on occasion, I want to talk about retirement planning, estate planning, tax planning, insurances, buy term life insurance, invest the rest. That would be one of my mantras if I could have 20 mantras. I would not ever buy whole life or variable life. Hint, hint, wink, wink, I judge, poke, poke. Um, I want to talk about life events. Things are expensive. Going to college. Having a baby, getting married. Maybe you should do it in different orders. <laughs> Going back to college. Going back to college is pricey, but people do it. One of the areas that I do want to talk about is what is currently an opportunity. When the economy gets tough, we've got a group of people called the Federal Reserve of the United States. And they've got bankers who sit around and rabble and they go, what can we do? The economy is getting slow. Our job is to keep employment full and to fight inflation. So one of the things they do is lower interest rates. Or sometimes the market knows ahead of time that the economy is getting slow and everyone starts leaving the stocks, which are considered riskier, and heading towards bonds, which are considered safer because the United States Treasury pays their debts. Another thing I would have put down as a mantra, if I can only have 20 mantras. So there's some safety in treasuries. There's some safety in bonds. When you get into corporate bonds, you start getting into, well, I hope they knew what they're doing because they don't always pay back their debt. And the higher the, the yield, the more risky that it is. But one of the areas that I really, really like is having debt that's as low cost as possible, also known as a mortgage. You know, my first mortgage was probably in the 10 to 11%, and I got a second mortgage because I couldn't afford a down payment because I was, I was financially sloppy. So my second mortgage had a different interest rate. I was like, oh, God. And through the life, every year, not every year, in my life, every mortgage I've got seems to have gotten lower or been in a lower ballpark than it was 20, 30 years ago, right? So when you get a mortgage and it, it rates go lower because maybe the economy's bad. Let's say you buy a house because the economy's great. You get a big bonus at the job. The wife's like, 
honey, you're doing great. Let's make a baby. We need a bigger house. So you get a bigger house and the economy is doing great, but you get a four and a half, five percent mortgage. Remember at the start of the year when the tax cuts were kicking in and doing good? Mortgage rates are four and a half, five percent, 12, 14, 15 months ago. Now they've dropped. Dun, dun, dun. And for me, I decided time to get a refi. I'm taking advantage of the weaker economy. I'm not in a weaker economy. My economy is good. My job's good. My career's good. But the weaker economy has pushed rates lower. So I dig that. How about you? Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm actually signing paperwork tomorrow on a refi that I did with you. That's, how's that for an endorsement? That, that's a nice endorsement. Let's see if we can get his audio on. Dun, dun, dun. Go ahead. Thanks for the endorsement. There you go. There we go. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, this was a little bit easier this time, wasn't it? Yeah, you know why? Because through the years, I've started getting better about knowing what you need. Yep. You know, you, you, the expectations do help, uh, and we do our best. The industry, as a in general, does their best to give the expectations. I mean, every website out there you can go to can I've, say, this is what you need. I've made a commitment in the last 10, 20 years to get my paperwork digitized. Um, I don't like mail. I don't like mailboxes. I know you're saying, you don't like gas stations. You don't like mailboxes. What else do you hate, Rob? So <laughs> I, I've got a, a folder called taxes, and when I know you're going to ask for my taxes. I've got a folder called Debbie too. I know you're gonna ask for my Debbie too. I've got a folder called like, and then I put that all in Rob's finances. Again, probably not the greatest thing to keep that all on a laptop or a desktop, but not the worst thing either because this process was easy for me. Yeah, a lot of uh, you know we do a lot of transactions, uh, and I've been doing this for 15 years, financing for 19 years, and we've definitely seen the. It, it's not just the consumer that's becoming a little bit more savvy like you. It's the lenders too that are making it easier. We use several different lending sources for, you know, a variety of different clients and they've all embraced, you know, technology and paperless uh, transactions and e-disclosures and things like that. So it's become a lot easier and and faster. Um, I was surprised to see the other day that the national average of closing a loan right now is 42 days when I haven't seen anything over 30 days in years. Uh, What's that mean? It means that- like, closing a loan from the, the day you start, hey, Tony, I need a home loan okay. to the time you, you close the loan, fund the loan and record. And that's taking 42 days on a national average. Um, brokers, that's because of banks. Um, brokers tend to work with uh, le- lending sources that only do loan transactions for mortgages. And banks do a variety of different things. So they, they don't may not focus directly on you know the speed. Uh, and Let me tell you about the, wait, you, the guy who does the refire, the guy who gets the mortgage perspective. I wanted to be as quick as possible. I like you. I'd rather talk about sailing. I'd rather talk about parenting. Sure. I'd rather talk about other issues. I when I when I gave you, I said, "What do you need from me?" And I gave you a batch of documents. And I and you're like, "Well, okay, this." And then I'm like, "Shut up. Tell me what you need <laughs> now," because I don't want to talk about this stuff. I hate the process. Yeah. I like the result. I'm going to save over four thousand dollars. That's I, a gym membership. Her. That's a vacation. Mm-hmm. That's something. I tell everybody, I said, the hardest part about this transaction would be in the beginning. But once we get that done, it's smooth sailing. So see how I tied in sailing with? Got it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I try. I decided to get two dogs recently. I named one Fanny and the other one Maine. May. May. Why two dogs? One's named Fanny, one's named May. Well, I didn't want one dog because one dog would get lonely. <laughs> anyway, lonely. Hello. Oh, that was a good one. Thank you. I think you came up with that pretty quickly. Thank you. Anyway, back to you. Uh, yeah. So the so overall, the process has gotten a lot easier. It's gotten a lot uh, more paperless um, or less paper and uh, faster. Uh, 
it, credit scores are going up. The average credit score is at the highest it's ever been, okay. uh, recorded by Ellie May at 731. Who's Ellie May? Um, just a, you know, a agency that kind of reports all of the okay. numbers and stuff for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Jenny Mae, and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, I've always figured Fannie and Freddie were married. I always, <laughs> yeah. saw, I always saw them as kind of like a man and female. And then you I always did. thought Ginny was like that cheap whore who you broke did. up the marriage. They may be coming out of conservatorship. I think that's wor- worthy of watching. Really? Yeah. That, that was Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Yeah. I don't know if you, anybody watched the stock yesterday, but uh, Freddie Mac, uh, Fannie Mae went up like 15% just because, uh, based on that news coming out of conservatorship. My dad used to love that stock when it was publicly traded before we got into the housing mess in the 2000s. What a stock. They paid a fat dividend. People are, they always make money. Yep. It's a business that they don't they make, lose. Look at the treasury. They don't they have even a market. Billions of dollars every year going back to the treasury. That could be going back to, you know, the, the, the stockholder, for right. example. And that's, it will at some point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, ultimately we have two good sources of money out there. 68% of loans go to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. The rest go to FHA, VA, and then Jumbo and so and portfolio loans, non-QM stuff. Um, but it's, it's a lot easier out there. I think that, you know, we're, we're talking about lower interest rates and the environment right now and taking the opportunities. Uh, we've seen a lot of people come back uh, over the last three years and then even, even beyond that of saying, you know what? I thought I had a great rate. But now it's even better. I think it's always worth looking at, and like you did, and you saw, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars a month savings, and boom, there, there it is. And in California, with the large loans, uh, you know, and the high cost of living here, every dollar counts. It should be noted that my first mortgage, I wasn't unhappy with the rate. And I told you, if you see things drop, so I could save a hundred, two hundred a month, don't call me. But when you see it drop three hundred, four hundred a month, suddenly four thousand, five thousand dollars is significant to me. It may not be a lot of money. It may be a lot of money, but I can find a use for it. So, and that's what you did. Tony monitors all of his mortgages, ex-mortgages. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm signing my refi tomorrow. So I'm probably set unless I go out and buy another house when the economy is booming. Then I'll want to refinance it when the economy is pulling back. When that 10-year treasury drops, Tony's radar goes ding, 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 ding. It starts to ping, and he knows it's time to get the refinances going. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Black talking all things financial, money investing and more. I'm talking about doing a refi that I'm going to be signing paperwork tomorrow. Tony Mendez is with Bay Area Loan Source. He's a good friend of mine. Why would I have a financial relationship with a good friend? Can't that ruin things? It can. And some of our best conversations are not about mortgages. Um, but it's a long-term friendship, and I basically brought you out to California 20-plus years ago. Because I saw a need for mortgage lenders who knew what they were doing, who understood the mathematics of how to tie it into a financial plan, how to tie it into investing. And, you know, there's not a lot of training for mortgage people on the, on the big picture. There's a lot of training on like, well, you're not allowed to tell someone that, you know, someone died there or had HIV there. You're not allowed. You're not, if you offer a rate, it's got to be legal and it has to say this and that. It can't be a teaser. Um, so he's a good guy. He'll do a good job for you on a mortgage. I trust him. 
Will it be the absolute best mortgage you ever get? I don't think any financial product is the absolute best, but it's certainly a good effort. First investment lesson that I remember in my childhood was my mom reading to me The Three Little Pigs. Do you remember The Three Little Pigs? Of course. What were their houses? Oh, it was one was made out of straw. Yeah, yeah. One was made out of brick, and was it the third one? It was uh, wood? Plaster. Plaster? <laughs> no. Okay. Straw, wood, and... Uh, yeah. Why did the kid make a house out of straw? <laughs> That's a bad mortgage, right? No lender is going to support that. Private money. Private money. <laughs> there you go. Private money. That's hard money. <laughs> you want to know how the makes, banks make their money? Lending money to people who build to houses pigs, out of right? So the, probably the straw house, he was probably paying a 10% mortgage. The wood house, he was probably paying like an 8% mortgage, but the brick guy is probably paying a 6 That's a good uh, lesson in life. Anyway, and, and that, that kind of, it may well very well represent what the mortgage industry is all about and how they lend. It's called risk layered factors. And, uh, you know, the credit score is one, uh, you know, how much down payment or equity that you have, um, what type of house is it? And that's what we're kind of getting at. Is it, is, is yeah. it a house that can be warranted by, um, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac? And, is it in a fire zone? Is it a flood zone? Right. And, and, it, and it boils down and that boils down to what your ultimate rate is and what kind of product you end up with. Um, nobody wants to use private money, but it's a great loan if you have a house made out of hay or straw. Right. And, and then maybe that you could take that money that you get and turn it into wood or brick house. And that's what people use private money for. Not that this topic is about that, but, yeah. um, you, and then you ultimately get to that final, you know, best product that you're looking for. Yeah. And we talked about this last night about on, on our show. Uh, the real estate report. I'm trying to plug it a little bit, but the Thursdays at six, Thursdays at six and and we talked about exit strategy and how these products and in the, in the industry has opened up for people to to you know use FHA or use private money or use a non QM loan to to you know maybe pass through and fix a problem. It's a it's a temporary loan, temporary to permanent, and uh, and not to be afraid to use those if you have a one two three year plan to do so. It could have been a foreclosure that you had two years ago. There's a product for you. Yeah. Um, if you had it four years ago, maybe FHA, maybe you need cash out high, a high amount of cash out, use FHA so that you can pay off some debt, improve your credit score a year or two later, get into a conventional loan. Those are the type of, of products that are available to people. And when rates are low, like they are right now, we're just looking at the 10-year treasury, which dipped again. Um, these products become a little bit cheaper and it, it, a little bit more palatable. And you have to remember that it wasn't that long ago. Well, you know, you go back to 2005, six and seven, which, you know, 15, 20 years ago and rates were in the sixes. Our net, our historical average is, is over 6%. So if you can still get a 6% loan on a non-qualified mortgage and then end up in the three, two or three years later, that's an exit strategy. And we talk about that all the time with our, the plans that we make for people. So I just got a refi done. I'm signing tomorrow. You helped me on that. Thank you. You're saving my family probably about $5,000 a year. Now, keep in mind, there's going to be a cost. So I probably won't, quote unquote, make that back um, for about a year. But that's okay. I'm good with that. It's a, a good payoff if I keep the house. So that's one of the decisions I had to make. Am I going to keep the house more than a year? Am I going to keep it two, three, four, five? Do I want to keep it the family? Yeah, you're referring to the payback period. Payback period. Yep. So that's part of it. Now, the other night, I might have got a little drunk. <laughs> and I was kind of looking at the Apple credit card. Done through Goldman Sachs. And I'm, I know that I'm going to close on Saturday, but I kind of wanted it. But I've heard you enough on the real estate report and on this show that you're like, don't F this up. Don't open credit. Yeah, there's definitely some things not to do during your transaction, before your transaction. You can do almost anything you want after the transaction. Right. So 
so I can get an Apple credit card and get a prostitute in Thailand and adopt a child from, sure. Swe- from Sweden. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. After the product. <laughs> so after it's signed, right? Yes. Couple other things. Don't quit your job. You probably see all of this that make your job a nightmare. People want to refi. People want a mortgage. But then they do something material to affect their credit score, their income. Yep. And, uh, we've had people quit their jobs in the middle of transactions. Um, we've had people get fired. Yeah. We've had businesses close. And yeah, it can uh, buy a car, but, buy but a truck. The most common thing is they get new credit. And at the end of the transaction, right before they fund the loan, they do what they call a soft pull to see if you've established any new credit. So yeah. there's a good chance that if you were to got this Apple card, they would have found out and they would have had to add it to your debt ratio. Right. Right. If you bought a bunch of stuff. And that's another thing. Don't go out and get furniture. Don't go out and, you know, put, you know, $4,000 on a credit card right during a process because they could say, you know, we got you a great loan of 3.5% or 3.3%, but now we're going to cancel the whole thing because we don't trust that you're going to use this money responsibly. Okay, yeah, again, that's the most common thing that people do is they just they, – they either establish new credit or they run – they buy some stuff uh, during the process. But most – you know, I've had people say, hey, Tony, I'm in the middle of transaction. I need to buy a new computer. It's $1,000. Is that going to affect my my – you know, decision on the, on the approval, you know, and we'll look at the numbers. If your debt ratio is decent, I'll say, sure, go ahead. So, I mean, people are, are getting smarter about that. It's interesting because I looked at my credit today and one of my mortgages changed the account number and that can mess up your credit score. It didn't, nothing was really changed. They just changed the account number and it was reported as something was up. It was a yellow flag. It wasn't a red flag. It wasn't a green flag. It was a yellow flag. And on top of that, another thing people could do to mess up a refi is put like $20,000 settling in your bank account. Oh, the, yeah, moving of money. Moving yeah. of money. And yeah. people don't, don't think that. You're like, isn't that positive? It, yeah, if, I could do a whole segment on that. It is crazy how that can affect your transaction. And it's also the hardest part, too. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Tomorrow at noon, I'm doing a refi. I'm signing. Woohoo! It's all about saving more money. Sometimes you can make it. Sometimes you can invest it. Sometimes you can save it. I'm Ron Black talking to all things financial. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. BTS. Back to school. I do this show to try to get you educated on some financial issues. I want the show to sound good. I want to do a good job for you. I could talk about trade wars and Trump and capitalism and the history of the stock market. I could talk about hot stock ideas. I could talk about sexy ideas gone bad. There was a point in time when limited brands, L brands, was all that in a bucket of chicken. Now it's at a 10-year low. Stock that it's at a 10-year low in a stock market that hit all-time highs earlier this year. That tells you there's something fundamentally wrong with the company. I'm not going to use the C word, cancer. But it tells you the company has something going wrong with it. Limited brands makes lingerie. They also sell smelly bath soaps and stuff like that. They've got a problem that in the 80s and 90s, we loved going to the malls as a nation. Now today, not so much. We love Amazon. We love sitting at home, getting fat, eating milk duds, 
talking to our TV, having our TV talk back to us. But limited brands just ain't that anymore. They do a lot of promotions. Women's bodies have changed a lot in the last 80 years. When I was young and I was like really young and I had a lot of hormones and testosterone flowing through my body like crazy. You'd see like Marilyn Marilyn Monroe. Did you know she was in Playboy? No way. Oh, my God. And you would you would look at it and you'd go, huh, it's kind of curvy. I thought she was like, a you know, and then like 10 years later, the women changed. 10 years later, women changed. 10 years later, women changed. In the 80s, you know, uh, let's get physical, physical. Olivia Newton-John, people started working out. They started doing cardio. They started doing aerobics. Bodies changed. Um, my point being is limited brands didn't necessarily correctly change. Not only did bodies change and hairstyles change, but we went through a period of time where let's get some enhancements to our bodies. And that was a big thing because if you don't necessarily have a lot of goods under your brassiere, you can go to a doctor and do it. Or Victoria's Secret could sell you a, a miracle bra, a wonder bra. And now it's just, now it's like, I saw an article, not an article, I saw a celebrity basically. She got shamed because she was kind of wearing a shirt that was a little see-through after her workout. And people are like, you shouldn't let people see that. And it's really, really puritanical silly on a lot of levels. And she says, ladies, don't wear a bra today. And that may become a trend because she's a celebrity. 18 million followers on Facebook, 18 million followers on Instagram. Maybe people stop wearing bras. Young girls and young girls are the shoppers, right? They're the ones we care about. They're the ones with the disposable income. So trends happen. Things change. Just know that. And you can't really get set in stone with anything. Because like I said, and even Bed Bath & Beyond was one of those stocks that everyone had to have a home. And when we got homes, we had to have throw pillows. We don't know why we had throw pillows. Maybe it was the the, the show Queer Eye for a Straight Guy that we were watching on TLC because like suddenly that was a big breakthrough show and everyone was watching it. And, and the guy said, you really need some throw pillows in here. And then everyone went to Bed Bath & Beyond and got throw pillows. But now we were just like, well, we could get those on Amazon. We don't actually have to go to a warehouse, fight people for parking. It's a deal. So I'm talking about the road to retirement and how things change. And you have to be ready for a little bit of change. And that's one of the reasons you should index your funds instead of trying to be right. Instead of saying, I think Apple's going to be the greatest stock forever and ever and ever and ever. Because in the 80s and 90s, the company that was Apple was a company called Sony. And ultimately, Sony blew it. They had it. They had the Walkman. They had it. And they didn't really go completely digital correctly. And they started buying movie theaters. And they they started... And could Apple do the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting thing is when you have kids. I've got a friend who adopted a kid and I had kids organically or naturally. There's a process in that when you're like, honey, I'm pregnant. And you're like, what are we going to name the kid? When you adopt a kid, sometimes they just stork brings them to you and you're like, we got to come up with a name for this thing. But naming your child is kind of important. Um, you know, with my last name, Black, I was like, I want to name the kid Rock. I want to give him a name like that scares other kids. I want to give him a tough name, a good business, Rock Black. Kind of a, eh, no, no, it didn't work, right? Then I was like, let's come up with a middle name. How about Danger or Trouble? 
Can you imagine? I was so nervous when I was 15, 16, 17, 18, that talking to a girl basically turned me into buddy. And it would have been cool to say, you know, my, my middle name's Danger. Or like, hey, how are you doing? And she goes, what do you want? Well, I just kind of want to talk to you. And she goes, why do I want to talk to you? Well, because Danger's my middle name, and you look kind of dangerous from across the room. And she goes, your middle name's not Danger. You whip out your ID, and bam, your name's, middle name's Danger. I always thought that would be the coolest thing. <laughs> but your kid's name's super important, especially in this day and age tied towards identity theft. When kids are young, they're cute. It's conversational. But as they get older, if they have the same name as daddy, it could mess up with lenders, credit agencies, banks, credit cards. Um, sometimes you have to send a notarized letter to lenders attesting that you had never lived in you know, uh, your dad's house or things like that. So you want to protect your identity. Give your kid his own name. I find p- people name their kids after themselves or, or just, excuse me for being honest, vain. And I don't get it. So anyhow, in any way, start thinking about that identity theft and having to prove yourself. So how about the idea of having your kids live with you? It's back to school, right? I hate Facebook right now. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I've never joined Instagram. I don't believe in posting a lot of pictures of your kids. Maybe one a year. I've got a friend who's a photographer and she just sent her kid back to school who I guess she hit high school. Wasn't middle school. Maybe I think it's high school. And uh, she wants nothing to do with mom taking her photo anymore. So her photo is of her hair in front of her eyes right now. And everyone's posting these cute little pictures of first day of third grade, first day of fifth grade. And then I have another friend who just dropped her kid off at college. That's a pretty cool moment. Toughest thing for a parent is knowing what to do when you have a kid. Toughest thing for a parent is knowing what to do after your kid goes to college. But now we've got the boomerang kids. You send them off to college. I've got a, I don't think Chad would mind me saying this. His kid works during the summer and he works at jobs that I'm like, I'm proud of him. Like he works at like Costco's and 7-Elevens. Like he's not working for dad filing paper at the office. So he earned money this summer, goes off to college, and he goes, Dad, I need money. And his dad's like, no, you earned money this summer. You need to spend that. Um, so there's financial lessons that you could start teaching in college. And for the record, one of the things, if you ever make me president of the United States, I will ban credit cards from soliciting on campus. But I will ask parents to consider getting your kid a secured credit card. I know you're saying, wait, 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 what? Secured credit card for someone who's 18 to 21, or we can even say 18 to 25 is genius. You can even go 16 to 25 if you want to start them young. A secured card gives them the chance to learn how to spend money at a merchant. If their car breaks down, they can get a, a tire fix or a AAA tow or whatever on a credit card and then pay it off at the end of the month. And if it's not paid off, the secured part, i.e. you put up $500 and you give it to the bank and say, just in case my kid becomes irresponsible. And I can't imagine a kid at 18 years old becoming irresponsible. Keep in mind, my first day of college, I saw a human being defecate in a hallway. She was so drunk, she thought she was on a toilet. Or she didn't know something was coming out of her rear end. Keep in mind, at that same college, I saw a model who was paid to look good for magazines, 
skid her face up at two in the morning on pavement playing football, waiting to get football tickets for the next day. No, no, no. College kids are never irresponsible, right? And that's just some of the things. Oh, how about the to the time we flooded the hallways from the showers and we sit them in the, the hallway and then everyone had a slip and slide kind of in a dormitory only to not realize that the floor could collapse and kill people underneath you. Yeah, yeah, college people aren't ever irresponsible, right? But a secured credit card is daddy and mommy saying, we're going to give money, and we're going to fund that account. So, like, my friend just sent her daughter to college. I think she should go with a secured credit card. I think she should be responsible. I think the parents should get a copy of the statement, and I, I think they should talk about it on occasion. If you can't talk about money, shame on you. So that means you have some sort of puritanical issue that, like, I don't want mom and dad to know that I, I got a pizza, or I don't want mom and dad to know that... I got a hotel room. That's your issue, not mine. I'm just trying to make you better financially speaking. So the problem now is kids are almost expected to come back to live at home because we've heard all these millennial stories about them living at home and they're delaying families and they're saving money and they're paying off debt. There's also something to be said for letting your kid go out and, and live and starting to learn some life issues because they're going to learn them at some point. The first time they miss a rent payment, the first time they, they, they sign up for a gym membership and then realize they're never going to go. You kind of got to get some of those lessons out of the way. Personal finance is more than personal. Ultimately, than finance. Finance is just math, right? But kids coming back to live at home, it adds up on mom and dad, too. The boomerang kids, parents have to have more money for cooking, more money for cleaning, more money for washing, more money for insurance. 40% of multi-generational families who have more than one generation of adults at home say they feel financially burdened by the number of family members in the household. So you may feel like, hey, it's great to give Junior a place to come back home to. Don't name your kid after you. I've already talked about that. But one of the problems, it does create a burden. It does create resentment. Remember how we're talking about personal finance and wills and trust and family members and blood and not blood and what happens when you name the wrong kid to the executor of the will? Don't name your kids to the executor of the wills. The answer there. You get where I'm going out with this. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, and the new website, newfocusfinancial.com. financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. This has been kind of a strange hour because I'm talking about the road to retirement. And I kind of stopped after my, I said, in college network... And I kind of got into the kid angle on, you know, being a kid, a young person and having your first job and such. And then I kind of went off on, don't name your kid after yourself. Don't put a lot of pictures of your kid on Instagram. Identity theft is real easy. I dig the people who are on Facebook and Instagram and you have to ask to be their friend. At least they're protecting some of these issues that could become back to bite you pretty hard. I talked a little bit about don't let your kids be the executor of your will. I talked about don't leave a simple will, leave a a trust. Simple will gets messed up if you die. And, you know, I used to say jokingly on there, and it's not cool to say, 
that, you know, I get married on the five-year plan. I need a new wife every five years, and she needs to be the same exact age, 25, the next one. It's not funny. At one point in time, it was it was silly. And you're like, no, nah, you're kidding, right? But what if I, what if my spouse dies and I do marry a 25-year-old? And I can't keep up with her, and I die. She's like, I want to go on a vacation, and I, you know, I want to make love under the moon in San Francisco. And I'm like, I die. Then, you know, the first spouse is dead, second, and now I'm dead, and spouse, simple will, she gets all my money. My kids are screwed. They're going to be mad. Do you know why people hate evil stepmothers? Because they're evil stepmothers. We learned that a long time ago. Was it Snow White? No, no. She was the chick who lived with seven men when she was unmarried. I'm sure her mother wasn't very happy about the goings on there. Um, who was it? Was it some sort of Cinderella? No. Well, she had evil stepsisters. Like, you could kind of see how money and step and these things all work together, right? So, someone... Was it Little Red Riding? No. Little Red Riding Hood had a mother who was so old she couldn't get out of bed and she kind of looked like a wolf. Or something like that. Or did she get eaten by a wolf? <laughs> Either or. It doesn't matter, right? Hey, Granny. It's good to see you. Why are your fingers so bony? All about you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway... Talking about getting into retirement, talking about kids, talking about that complicated relationship. You got to have honest conversations with your kids. When my kids ask me any question, I give them an honest answer. You know, I think that's important. In your 20s, you need to invest in yourself and get a good career. That's going to be your number one job, in my opinion, and come out of your 20s with human capital and hopefully some networking. I was awful at networking. I was talking to a friend during the commercial and during college, he was obsessed with chasing women. I was obsessed with getting a girlfriend. Um, chasing women wasn't my thing. I wanted a relationship. I should have been like networking. To this day, I don't know anyone from college. I don't think I do. I know people from that time in my life, but not from my college directly. Um, you want to build positive behaviors in your 20s. Start with a 401k. You want to start taking a little bit of risk. From an investment standpoint, get a growth mutual fund or a growth ETF. So a good rule of thumb in your 20s is by the end of your 20s, try to develop an emergency fund that has three to six months of cash. Not bad. Then you're going to graduate to your 30s, and that's when you want to start managing your debt. You should start seeing things go down. You shouldn't be buying new cars. You should be extending your cars. You shouldn't be buying new phones every year or two years. You should be trying to extend your phone to three or four years. That's when you start getting good insurance in your 30s. You want healthcare insurance. You want car insurance if you're driving around. My big fear is that I don't have enough insurance. I know you're saying that's a big fear. I think I have enough insurance if I hit a bicyclist. I don't think I have enough insurance if I hit a car for attorneys. Disability insurance. I can have a stroke any day. I'm so tightly wound, right? And then I don't have the ability to earn income. I have to look good for TV. I have to sound good on radio, right? Life insurance. At one point in time, I was approached by someone in my 20s and 30s. Here's whole life, and here's variable life. One of my kid's best friend's dad is an insurance guy, and he's the, one of the worst insurance guys in the world. And he even tries to sell me on whole life insurance and variable life insurance and indexed, indexed annuities. I'm like, dude, I'm in the industry. He's like, don't you want to take care of your kids? I'm like, he's not that stupid, but he sounds really, really stupid with a sales pitch. In your 30s, you better start building up your retirement assets. Otherwise, you're going to work till the day you die. A good rule of thumb in your 30s 
You want to be saving anywhere from 10 to 15% of your income each year. The more, the better. Remember that saving an additional 1% of income each year can lead to tens and thousands of dollars in retirement. In your 40s, you want to start saying, I got some wealth. You want to cut back on unnecessary expenses. My gym costs $450 a month and I'm the only one who uses it. Spouse doesn't use it. Kids don't use it. That's stupid. I'll take that money and go jogging, go hiking, do something with that money. Cause that's 4,500. That's 5,000. What a year you want to take care of yourself in your forties, old age and midlife crisis. It can start to stre- uh, catch up on you. Stress of work can start to catch up on you. Good rule of thumb in your forties is focus on increasing your savings and investing heavily in the long-term growth equities and other investments in your fifties. You know, again, you should be wealthy by now. You should start thinking about now that I'm going to quit my job in 10, 15 years. How am I going to get income? I got an email from a woman recently who said when I quit my job, I didn't realize how much that was incredibly tied to my ability to travel and eat at restaurants. How was she not thinking that before she quit? She had no plan for income. I'm probably going to work till the day I die. My spouse, her grandmother lived till 95. Her parents are alive and healthy in their 80s. She does. She needs long term care, not me. I'm going to be long dead. I'll be cold in the ground. I'll be dust in the wind. Good rule of thumb in your 50s is you should have 25 times what you plan to spend each year in retirement. If you want to spend $100,000 a year from your savings in retirement, you should retire with $2.5 million. Little REM. Boy, he grew a beard when he retired. Maybe that's my plan in retirement. Grow a big Michael Stipe beard or a Dave Letterman beard. You know the type that makes it look like you live in Montana and might be sending bombs in the the mail to people? (laughs) I do miss R.E.M. What a band. What a band. What a band. What a band. Engine number eight. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Money invested in more. (laughs) 